Well, welcome to Front Range. My name is Ernest Smith. I'm the lead pastor, and we're so grateful that you guys are with us, whether you're joining us in person or you're watching online. We're grateful to have you, and <clears throat> our hope and prayer is that this will become a home for you, a place where you can build community, discover your purpose, and grow in your faith in Jesus. And uh, I, I know some people are like, man, I don't even know how to do that. Like, what steps do I take? Well, we have this thing called Next Steps with Front Range, and that's happening tonight. Uh, so if you're interested in finding out more about our church or maybe how you can get more engaged or, uh, or how this can be a place where you can build community and discover your purpose and grow in your faith, then join us tonight. Uh, we'll have people online and there'll be people in person as well. So whatever suits your family's needs. Uh, we'll have food there, we'll have childcare. So uh, we're trying to take away all the excuses of why not to come. So love for you to join us. You can go to frontrange.info to get more information there, or you can just check the Front Range box on your Connect card, and we'll make sure we uh, send you an email this afternoon giving you information about that. We'd love for you to join us tonight. Uh, today, we are uh, going to continue our series that we've called, Who Is This Man? Where we're looking at the seven I Am statements of Jesus. An I Am statement is this. It's when Jesus says, I am, and then he follows it up with something. Uh, like the first week, we looked at how he said, I am the resurrection and the life, or he's the way, the truth, and the life. And when he says that term, I am, he's saying, I'm fully man, and yet I'm fully God. Because that term, I am, is the, the phrase that God gave himself in the Old Testament, the title he gave himself. And so no one would have said that term, I am, because they would have been comparing themselves to God. Well, Jesus is saying, I am God. And then whatever follows that helps us to understand how him being God impacts our lives. And today, I think that no matter where you sit in your relationship with God, uh, hopefully you're going to be able to, to be impacted by this I am, these two I am statements that we're going to be looking at. And uh, last week, last service, I, I tried to get a little crowd engagement and they didn't give me any. Uh, so I'm just going to say this, that in our relationship with Christ, if you've been following Christ for longer than uh, maybe like an hour, uh, then there are challenges in your relationship with him. Uh, there, there's a lot of challenges, I think, in having a relationship with God. One, you can't see him, so that becomes a, a little bit of a, a unique uh, way to engage God. There's all kinds, one person said last, last service that uh, one of the challenges of following Christ is forgiveness, learning how to forgive people, and that's definitely a challenge. I think to me, one of the biggest challenges in being a follower of Jesus is knowing how to hear the voice of God. I remember when I first accepted Christ and first gave my life over to Jesus, and I would hear people say, man, uh, the, the God told me the other day, or I heard God say, and I thought, how? Like, how did you hear God say something to you? How did you hear the voice of God? Like, God has never opened up the heavens and been like, earnest. Like, that would be awesome and easy, but he's never done that. Like, what does the voice of God even sound like? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe the voice of God sounds like Graham Chapman in this classic. Have you seen this one? Arthur, Arthur, King of the Britons. Oh, don't grovel. One thing I can't stand, it's people groveling. Sorry. And don't apologize. Every time I try to talk to someone, it's sorry this and forgive me that and I'm not worthy. What are you doing now? I'm averting my eyes, oh Lord. Well, don't. <laughs> if you're like, what movie is that? I'm not telling you. I'm not telling you. You're not saying to some friend that that's what you learned at church. Uh, or maybe God sounds like Morgan Freeman in this classic. Who are you? I'm the one. Huh? 
creator of the heavens and the earth, Alpha and Omega. Oh, I see where this is going. Bruce, I'm God. Bingo, Yahtzee. <laughs> now, I got to say, if God's going to have a voice, it better be Morgan Freeman's voice. That's all I'm saying. But for me, man, I, I'll just be real honest. None of those voices work for me. Uh, and this is a real struggle, how to hear the voice of God. How to know if God's speaking to you, and at least it's a struggle for me. I mean, for me, if I feel like God's saying something to me, I think, well, is that God or is it me? Is that my desire? Is that my want? Is, is that my belief system? Is that God actually speaking? Or if it's, is it God or is it me or is it bad burritos or something I ate the night before? You know, like, what is it? If I hear something, I think maybe God's saying do this, and, and I'm not sure about whether or not I should go that direction, I, I wonder, God, is that actually you? And the two I am statements we're going to look at today deal with this topic of hearing God's voice and how we can learn to hear the voice of God and learn to follow the voice of God. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 10. That's where we're going to spend some time today. If you don't have a Bible, no worries. It's going to be on the screen. And let me set it up for you. Now, when Jesus talks in Scripture, almost always he's talking to one of three audiences. Uh, one audience is the, is the crowd or the masses. And when he speaks to the crowd, he has compassion. Uh, a second audience is his disciples. And when he speaks to them, it's usually in a protective way or in a way that he's trying to teach them something. The third audience are the religious leaders, uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And when he speaks to them, many times he's rebuking them. Uh, he's criticizing them, and for good reason. Well, in John 10, we see that he's speaking to the Pharisees, and he's rebuking them. And the reason why can be found in John chapter 9. What you see in John chapter 9 is Jesus comes upon this blind man, and the guy's been blind since birth. He's never seen in his entire life, and Jesus heals him, and now he has sight. I mean, you can imagine this guy must have been ecstatic. His friends were going, are you the same guy? Because now you can see, but you look like him. I don't know what's going on. And the Pharisees, they were saying, hey, this is all wrong. Like, I know Jesus healed you, but he did it on the wrong day. He did it on the Sabbath. Now, the Sabbath was uh, God's day of saying, hey, I want you to rest. Well, the Pharisees took that and they added laws around the Sabbath and the laws around those laws and the laws around the... And so they were saying, any type of work that you do, and we determine what work is, is breaking God's commandment of take the Sabbath. So they said Jesus is a sinner because he healed a man on the Sabbath. He's a sinner because he worked on the Sabbath. And so they want to get this guy, this blind guy who can now see, they want to get him to testify against Jesus. So they go to him and say, hey, Jesus is a sinner, right? And he's like, man, I don't know. Like, here's what I do know. Can you imagine being this guy? Like never seeing in your entire life and now you can see for the first time. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders are like, hey, I want you to accuse the guy who healed you. And he's like, look, I don't know if he's a sinner or if he's God. I don't know any of this stuff. What I do know is I was blind and now I can see. That's all I know. The Pharisees, they didn't like that answer. They actually ended up kicking him out of the synagogue, which uh, was really um, uh, their, their cultural spot, their community spot, where they went for relationships and for everything. Like to kick him out of the synagogue was massive. And this guy, he, he eventually, Jesus comes back to him. He places his faith in Christ and all that. But Jesus is like, man, I got to deal with these Pharisees on this one. And that's where we pick up with the story. John chapter 10, he says this in verse 1, very truly I tell you, Pharisees, Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, 
but climbs in by some other way as a thief and a robber. They're probably like, what are you talking about? Verse 2, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So he's given us this illustration that there's sheep in a pen, and anyone who tries to get into the pen is a thief or a robber if they don't go by the way of the gate. And he says the shepherd can enter into the pen, and that he calls the sheep by name, and the sheep know his voice. Now, it's kind of hard for us to understand because I would bet just by looking at the crowd, most of us are not shepherds uh, of any kind. You might feel like you are with your kids and you're having to like herd them around, uh, but most of us don't deal with shepherding of sheep. And if you do, it's very different to shepherd sheep in a Western culture versus the Eastern culture like this is speaking to. In the Western culture, shepherds use sheepdogs. So the sheepdogs run around and, and kind of herd the, the sheep and where they're supposed to go. But in the Eastern culture, they, didn't, they don't do that. Even today, they don't do that. If you go to Kenya, which is where we're going for a mission trip this summer, and me and my wife have been many times, you see these shepherds, and they don't have sheepdogs uh, rounding every, uh, all the sheep up. They just use their voice. And what's fascinating, especially in the days of Jesus and in Eastern shepherding, you can, uh, you can have a whole pen full of sheep that belong to different shepherds. And you can have four or five shepherds step outside of that pen, open up the gate, and each one of them can be calling at the same time, and their sheep are going to hear their voice above the others and go straight to them. Can you imagine that? I mean, imagine all these sheep being in this, in this pen. They open the gate. Four or five different guys are yelling for them, calling for them, and they don't get distracted by the others. They go straight to their shepherd. Jesus says that's the way the shepherd is. Not only that, but he actually knows the sheep by name, which is crazy because I've never met a shepherd in Kenya that names his sheep, and yet somehow Jesus is saying here that he names them. And It's all kind of confusing. Verse 6, Jesus said, use this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. They were confused. So if you're like, man, I don't understand where we're going with this, don't worry. Others weren't either. Verse 7, therefore Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. There's one of his I am statements. I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. He's speaking to these Pharisees. He's speaking to these religious leaders, they all who've come before me, man, they're just thieves and robbers. They're just trying to break their way in, and the sheep aren't going to listen to them. Verse 9, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. Jesus says, I'm the gate. I'm the door. And if people come in through me, then they will be saved. It's kind of like John 14, 6 that we looked at a couple weeks ago where he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. What he's saying is he's the path. He's the way. He's the only way to salvation. He's the only path to salvation. If you're like, man, how do we get to heaven? It's not good works. It's not believing in, in different things. It's only through Jesus. He says, I'm the gate. I'm the only way to an eternal life. And then I love what he says in verse 9, that if you come to Jesus, then you'll come in and you'll go out. Most scholars say that that coming in is Jesus saying that you'll be a part of a family. Now to some of us, that that sounds great and all that. that, That's cool. I'm a part of a family. But to others of us, that's huge. Because not everybody in this room and not everybody watching online grew up in a family. 
Not everybody grew up in the family that they would have loved to have grown up in with the mom and the dad and the 2.5 kids and, and all of that. Some of you, you grew up more like in my family where my dad was non-existent. And when he was, he wasn't a very nice guy. We had a lot of challenges and a lot of problems. And I, I remember, I would have never vocalized it, but I remember thinking, especially in high school, man, I just long for a father. I just long for a dad to like come watch me play baseball. Long for a dad to say, great job, son. I just long for that family. And when I came to Christ, he says, welcome. Welcome to the family. Some of you today, God's saying, just come home. I have a family for you. He says, when you come into the gate through Jesus, when you accept Jesus, you come in, and then he says, and you go out. And scholars would say that that going out was, was God saying, I will protect you, and I will provide for you. And when we go out, I'm going to take you to the right pasture, and I'm going to protect you from the cliffs. I'm going to protect you from the wolves. I'm going to protect you from anything that can harm you. I will protect you, but I'm also going to provide for you. Verse 10, I love verse 10. It's one of my favorite passages in Scripture. It says, the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now, we talked about this type of life a couple weeks ago at Easter. And if you missed that message, I would encourage you to go to frontrange.org, and you can get all of our messages there. But we talked about what does life mean? What is life that God promises you and I? What does that look like for us? What is that type of life he promises Verse 11, Jesus says, I am. It's our second I am statement today. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. He's using a metaphor that God is like a shepherd. Now, this metaphor was used extensively in the Old Testament. You look in Genesis, and it's found there. Psalm 23, Psalm 80, Zechariah, Isaiah. There's many books throughout the Old Testament that talk about God being a shepherd. So when he speaks about being a sh God being a shepherd, they're like, we get it. In fact, the, the passage that most relates to John chapter 10 is Ezekiel 34. And God says this in Ezekiel 34, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. I will seek out my flock. I will rescue them. I will bring them out and gather them. I will bring them to their own land. In a good pasture, I will feed them. I will feed my sheep and make them lie down. I will seek the lost and bring back the strays. I will bandage the injured and strengthen the sick. I will save my sheep. No longer will they be prey. I will judge between one sheep and another. It's not our job. I will set one shepherd over them. He will feed them and will be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God. So these people, they get the, the, this metaphor that God is a shepherd. Now Jesus come onto the scene. He says, I'm him. I'm he. I am that shepherd. I am the one that will save you. I am the one that will rescue you. I am the one that will heal you. I am the one that will gather you together and bring family. I am the one that will protect you. I am he. The Pharisees must have been thinking, man, I can't follow with you on this one, man, because you're saying that you're God. It's hard for us to, to understand. Verse 15, just as, my, as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. 
Jesus says multiple times in this passage that he's going to die. That he's going to lay down his life for the sheep. Now, that's not normally a good thing. I mean, imagine these sheep out in the, in the pasture with, with their shepherd, and the shepherd dies. It only spells disaster for the sheep. There's nothing good that comes of that. And yet what Jesus is saying is there's disaster coming for the sheep. There's eternal disaster coming for the sheep. And the only way that they're saved is through me dying. He's foreshadowing his own death and the reason for his death. And then he, he concludes it by saying, Hey, there's also sheep that are not a part of this pen. Like, there's these sheep, and then there's these sheep over here, and I'm going to bring these sheep together, and we're going to be one. And he, the Pharisees knew what he was talking about. They, he knew that he was talking about the Gentiles, and they were like, man, we, we don't associate with the Gentiles, with the non-Jews. Like, we're, the, we're God's chosen. We don't allow them to come into our flock, but Jesus is saying, I'm going to make them one flock, and I'll be the shepherd over them. And so all throughout this passage, he's talking about him being our shepherd and us hearing his voice, him knowing our name, him knowing us and his sheep, us knowing him, hearing his voice and responding. And when I read this passage, it makes me ask two questions. The first one is this, do you know the good shepherd's voice? Do you know the good shepherd's voice? Can you discern God's voice in your life? Can I discern God's voice in my life? Now, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to have a, a sheep up here with me, but they're nasty and smelly. So I got the next best thing to, to a sheep. Come on, Pearl. Come over here. This is my dog, Pearl. Pearl, can you say hi to everybody? She's got a, there we go. She's just gonna, she's a little scared. Uh, so this is my dog, Pearl. Pearl knows my voice. So I'm going to put that over there. I mean, come here, Pearl. Good girl. She knows my voice. Now let me get her over here, and here's what I want you to do. I need you to give a little crowd participation, okay? I need you on the count of three, I need every one of you to start calling out to Pearl. Okay, if she comes to you, I'll give you $100, all right? But I need you to start calling out to, except my daughter. You don't count because she might actually come to you. <laughs> so everybody else, I want you to call out her name. Let's see. Sit. Let's see if I can get you to stay there. Sit. Sit. Just like my kids. Sit. Sit. There we go. Stay. Stay. Now. Stay. All right. One, two, three. Come here, Pearl. Come here, Pearl. Come here, Pearl. 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 Oh, see, that's what I'm talking about. This is my sheep. I should have had a sheep costume for her. Pearl knows my, my voice. She knows my voice above all the other voices. And I think so many times in life, it's, it's real easy it, when, when there's no other voices going on to discern what God's saying to us. But most of the time in life, there's other voices. Most of the time in life, there's other things happening. There's distractions, there's circumstances, there's hardships, there's pain, and there's other people telling you something, especially right now. With social media and the news and all these different things, people are trying to get a hold of your attention. They're trying to grab a hold of, of how you think and, and what you do and all of that. And the good shepherd is saying, do you hear my voice above all the others? Do you hear my voice above all the others? To be able to hear God's voice, how, how do we do that? Well, one, you have to have a relationship with him. 
You have to first come to know Christ personally. Like Pearl wouldn't come to me if I didn't have a relationship with her over the last seven years. She's been my dog for seven years. She knows my voice. So she comes to me. We have a relationship. She's a part of our family. And it's impossible to know the voice of God without first coming to faith in Christ. Because when you come to faith in him, it's like what Jesus says, when you enter through the gate, me, when you go through him, you come in and you go out. So you have to have a relationship with Christ. But what if, Ernest, I have a relationship with Christ, but I still can't hear him? Well, it takes time. It takes effort. Like when people say to me, Ernest, I, I just don't hear God's voice. I, well, what do you do to try to discern God's voice? Well, I don't know. I mean, I come to church every once in a while. It's really hard to hear God's voice by just coming to church every once in a while. God can speak through me to you. God can speak through other community people around you. God can speak through nature. But the number one way that God speaks to you and I is through this right here. So if you want to know what God says to you, read this. Get in this more and more. And I find it fascinating that a lot of times we, we don't really care about the voice of God until something major is going on in our lives. But I would say that, that when everything is normal and everything's okay, that that's when we need the voice of God more so that when everything else is crazy in our lives, when the voices are so loud around us, we can still discern his voice and what the good shepherd is saying to us. So the first question I ask is, do you know the good shepherd's voice? If not, one, maybe it's place your faith in him. If you've already done that, then it's be intentional. Put the time, the energy, the effort into getting to know him and hearing from him. Second question I ask is, do you follow the good shepherd's voice? It's one thing to know the good shepherd's voice and be able to hear him, but do you follow his voice? Do you trust him? You know, it'd be... It'd be fascinating if I put Pearl down and I'll say, come here, Pearl. And she's coming with me. And what if she said, why? Well, hold on. Uh, hold on, Ernest. Tell, us, tell me where we're going first. Well, what are we going to do? Come here, Pearl. She doesn't ask why. She follows me. What if I say, well, come on over here, Pearl. Come on. Come on. Come on. She's a little scared of the dark. Come on. Come on. Come on, all the way, all the way. Come, come, come. But then if I brought out a bowl with her favorite food, which is chicken, and I know some of you are going to judge me and say that they shouldn't eat people food and blah, blah. Send me an email. We'll talk about it. Come on, Pearl. Let's go back over here. You got to stay. I don't have any more. No, no, you got to go this way. Follow along. Listen to somebody else's voice. But when I got over here, she's scared of the dark, so she's like, I don't know. She doesn't know what awaits her, even after last service, doing the same thing. She has no clue what awaits her. She doesn't know that there's something great on the other side. I just have to follow. I just have to trust. And I wonder how many times in our relationship with God, and I know for me it's been many, many times, I feel like God has spoken to me, told me to follow him, and I just go, ah, but do I trust you? Like, do I really trust you enough that you are good, that you are faithful? I've never done anything to intentionally harm Pearl, and yet she's like, oh, I don't know.
don't know. In our relationship with God, we're that way so many times. We're just going, just trust me. Just follow what I'm saying. And to follow the voice of God takes trust. It takes us not asking, well, why are we going there? Where are we going? What are we doing? Could you imagine a shepherd doing that with a bunch of sheep? And them all just say, well, what? Where? Why? And yet we do that so many times in our relationship with God. And God's going, but if you just knew what was on the other side, if you just knew the reward, the fruit that I have for you, then you would obey. And so how do you follow the good shepherd's voice? Well, it takes that trust and it takes obedience. Like when you're obedient one time and you're like, okay, I didn't like that. That didn't feel good. It was a little dark at times, but God was still good. He was still faithful. Okay. And the next time he asks you to do something, you're like, he was faithful last time. I think I can trust him this time. I'll, okay, I'll be obedient. And the more that you, you follow in obedience, the more you trust. The more that you trust, the more you want to be obedient. Because your good shepherd, he knows you. And he's calling you by name. And so for you, which of those two questions do you feel like God's saying, I, I, I want you to work on this area. Maybe it's hearing the good shepherd's voice. Maybe you're like, man, Ernest, I really struggle to hear God's voice. And what step can you take today to begin to hear him more clearly? Maybe it's to place your faith in him. Or maybe you've done that before, but if you're just being real honest with where you're at right now, you're like, man, I have strayed from God. And I have not been hearing his voice. God's saying, just come back home. Come back home. Maybe for some of us, we're followers of Christ, but it's still hard to hear his voice, to know that he's the one speaking. And maybe for some of us, we need to get more into his word. Maybe it's just reading one more verse today than we read yesterday. And if you're like, man, I, I, I read this like once a month, maybe go twice a month, three times a month. If you're like, man, I read it once a week, then maybe go twice a week. Now, I wasn't saying you have to read Scripture five hours a day, unless that's where you're at, which is amazing. That's not where I'm at. That's not where the majority of us are at. So how can you just dive into this just a little bit more so you get to know the voice of your good shepherd? So you get to know what he's saying to you. Maybe it's through prayer, maybe it's through community, there's other ways discover God's voice, but this is the number one way. And we have reading plans. When we talk about these all the time, you can go to frontrange.info and you can find a reading plan right there. We talked about reading plans last week as well. It's just a great way to begin your journey or to continue your journey and grow to hear the voice of God. Or maybe you would say, you know what, I struggle in following the voice of God. Like I, there's an area in my life right now, Ernest, I feel like I know what God's saying to me but I'm just not sure I want to make that step. So my question to you is, where, what area of your life do you need to trust God in more? Maybe it's in your finances. Maybe for some of you, God's been saying, I, I want you to be generous. I want you to give more. And you're like, ah, oh, but I don't know. I'm kind of still in this pandemic thing. And I'm not. It's like, you trust that I will provide. You trust that I will protect you. Maybe for some of us, God's saying do something in, within our family, within our marriage, within our relationship with our kids, our relationship at, at school or at our workplace. 
feel like maybe God's been prompting me to go talk to this person, invite this person to church. I don't know. What, what if they reject me? What if they say something? But we trust him. We'll be obedient to him. I promise you this. As Jesus says, that he has come to give life and life to the full. That life is a promise to us if we hear the good shepherd's voice and we choose to follow. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and I thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you even by taking some complex ideas and even situations that were relevant to another culture but not relevant to ours, that, God, we can dive deep and understand what you're saying to us, Father. And I know that every person in here, God, if we're being real honest, we'd say, man, we would love to hear the voice of God a little bit clearer. We love that, God. And so, Father, for some of us that, God, that first step is placing our faith in you or that first step is recommitting our lives to you, Father, may that be the step that we take today. Whether we're watching online or they're sitting in this room, God, may we be challenged to just take that one step today to place our faith in you. In fact, if that's you and you'd say with, with every head bowed and every eyes closed, if you'd say, man, Ernest, I've never accepted Christ in my life or you know what, Ernest, I did a long time ago and uh, just being real honest because of the, the pains of what I've been going through, the hardships, maybe my own sin, whatever it may be, that God, I've just, I've disengaged from God and I've not heard from him in a long time. God's saying, come back home. Come back home. So that's you. You want to commit your life to Christ for the first time or recommit your life to Christ. You want to come home. Come back to the good shepherd. I just want you to raise a hand. I don't know who to be praying for. Amen. 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 Father, thank you. For those of you who are watching online, if you'd say, man, God's prompting me to do that right now, you can text the word follow to the number on the screen. I'll just say this, that God knows you and he sees you. In fact, the scripture we read today says he knows you by name. And he loves you. Welcome home. Father, for all of us, tell us what our next steps are, God. For those of us who struggle with hearing your voice, but and we have a relationship with you, God, help us to know what steps to take, whether it's reading our Bible more or just spending time in prayer, spending time in solitude and silence, whatever it may be, Father, so we can hear more clearly from you. And Father, for some of us who would say, man, I, I know what God's saying to me in this area of my life, but man, I struggle with, with following it. May we trust that you are good and that you are faithful. That you are good and that you are faithful. That even if we get to the edge of that darkness, may we take that step forward into what do you want us to do. Father, we thank you. It's in Jesus' name.